Do you like to eat like every day? Do you like to travel for special occasions, food festivals, music festivals, or just save some serious coin on your next vacation? Well, then you have found the right show. A Fork on the Road comes to you every week loaded with celebrities who travel for a living. Actors, musicians, chefs. With me, Mark DiCarlo from the Travel Channel and the James Beard Award-winning foodie, Jennifer English. Connect with me on Instagram at TV and on Twitter at MarkDiCarlo. Listen to the show everywhere you get your podcasts and subscribe at fbpodcasts.com. Welcome to A Fork on the Road. I am your travel guru, Mark DiCarlo. Across the microphone for me, the lovely, the talented, the tasty, and the tasteful, Jennifer English, James Beard Award-winning foodie journalist. Jennifer, how are you? I am awesome. I'm so excited. We have such an amazing lineup of guests with us today. This, to me, is the ultimate travel show today. It's going to be a fun show. We've been on a roll lately, uh, interviewing and talking to a lot of creative people, performers that travel for a living. Last week, we talked to Susie Nakamura from London, uh, where she's shooting her HBO show. We talked to a lot of musicians. We talked to uh, John uh, JTG from Cowboy Mouth. For my money, the people that know the country the best are probably gigging musicians touring musicians because you know not the rolling stones but the guys that are in the buses and flying by themselves from gig to gig they have to embrace the country or they'd be very very lonely and we have uh, one of the true great american uh, musicians with us here today david lowry the founder and lead singer and writer from the band crackers joining us today i'm very excited about well it. you know here's the thing i want you to set up the reality of really talented musicians and the life because you to me you are you are just as much of an artist in your humor and in your storytelling as Dave Lowry is in his music I want to ask the two of you about what it means to have a talent so significant that it it makes you go on the road to share it because just the only way you get it out there. Well, I think if we're talking about significant talent, we should actually bring David in and I will take him back seat. Uh, <laughs> David Lowry, welcome to a Fork on the Road. Hey, hello. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Big fan of the band for a long time. My, uh, Jennifer doesn't know this, but my first job in show business was in a band in Chicago and I got a little baby taste of the touring in a van life and I loved it. But I was 20, and it only lasted a couple of years. You've been on the road with Camper Von Beethoven and Cracker since since 1990, right? Nonstop? Oh, no, more like 1985. Yeah, I was going to say, from the mid-'80s, I mean, what uh, I remember. Nonstop, but yeah, but basically since 1985. Actually, I was thinking about this. The first show we ever played, like, out of California, we played at a place. We went to Tucson. Oh, neat. <laughs> and we played in a... Like the Rialto? Uh, a place that was normally a restaurant, and I think it might have been called Nino's or something like that. It was normally a restaurant, but they had a side room with a band in it, and there were seven people there for it. Um, it was awesome, though. It was, like, really, it was really great. No better money than that first wad of cash you get for, like, doing a gig in a different city. 
It's usually a hundred bucks, <laughs> and you have to split it six ways, right? But it's money that you made was, performing. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if it was a hundred bucks, but yeah, it's 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 pretty funny. I was actually talking to a, a teacher at the University of Georgia also. So I just like taught a class today and I was talking to a couple of students afterwards who were in a band and they're like, hey, we just played this show and we made $2 each. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's like pretty awesome. That's like, I remember that. It's like, but we made some money, man. You know, right. it was the deal. Yeah. Well, Dave, Money and phone numbers. Dave, one of the things I wanted to make sure we mentioned, because as you know, Tucson, Arizona is a university town. University of Arizona is here. But one mm-hmm. of the things that I think is the sexiest thing in the entire world is smart. Smart is ultra sexy. And you are actually a trained mathematician. And so many people talk about the relationship between numbers and music. Is there something that you think is explainable? to our audience between the part of your brain that makes music and the part of your brain that makes math? Well, first of all, it's been really a long time since I've really been a mathematician. That's a, that's a really odd, that's an odd way of like odd way of thinking the way you put your brain in it. But um, it's, it's actually the opposite. Like uh, if, if you're like a, like a pure mathematician um, and you're trying to solve a problem, there's kind of a leap of, logic like an intuition where you leap ahead and then you find the logical steps back to where you came from and that's really similar to like you know you kind of hear a melody in your head and you're trying to figure out how to get there you hear it and you work your way back so it's actually the opposite i think it's the other side of your brain i don't think it's the rational side of your brain I think there's a sort of note of spirituality and spirit and sort of intuition uh, and, and sort of listening to the quiet inside you for the inspiration uh, about oh, what you yeah. just said. Is it is that hold true for you? I, I actually feel like a lot of times like melodies are kind of out there and you just kind of rope them in. They're like these little weird little spirits. Um, but um, uh, words come from you and the melodies come from out there. You know, that's yeah. always fascinated that's- me and I, I, I love talking to musicians about it. I, I would imagine that the physical grunting of traveling and all the things you have to do to be a touring band supplies you with a never ending bunch of material that your songs come from. Is there like a direct, do you write more on the road or more when you're at home and do you write a lot of true stories or is it all just made up fantasy stuff? It's actually for me kind of hard to write on the road. So, um, uh, I mean, there's good sort of, you learn a lot when you're on the road and, and also, um, I, I I don't know. I feel like I feel like I, I understand. Like uh, I don't know. This is, I feel like in a weird way. Like I I feel like I understand. Like for instance, the United States better than like um, people who don't travel as much as I do. Right? Completely. Um, yeah. I understand. Like I don't know. I I feel like I I understand the the world on some kind of street knowledge kind of level kind of way, like street smarts kind of way from traveling all the time. That's, that's what that does for me. And it's not good for me for writing, but I feel like I can like, uh, I just, under, I feel like I understand the, um, the world in this pragmatic way better from traveling. So many of your songs are told from a character's point of view. I mean, you, you your, your melodies are literally infectious and you're, some of your lyrics are just so profound and hilarious. One of my favorites is, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Somebody please tell me it's not a train. I think that's brilliant. How'd you come up with that? 
Do you remember? I think I actually heard that from some old man somewhere, actually, truthfully. That's another thing. You know, when I used to spend time in bars, you know, going to the local old man's bar <laughs> around oh, 7 o'clock is a great uh, is a is a is a great way to get to know your town that you're in or where you're visiting or something like that. But um, I, I feel like somebody said that to me, like that, like some old guy said that to me somewhere. I, I, that's where I got that from. Either either that or um, I don't know. Maybe I did make it up. I don't think I did that. What's the thing that literally happens between you and the audience that is the thing that makes you get out on the road and suffer through all the indignities and the cold coffee and stale sandwiches and bus rides and flat tires and and and, 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 and everything else that goes along with life on the road that is the not-so-glamorous side of, of the world that you live in? Well, I don't know if I'd say that addicted to go out and out on the road. I, I enjoy it. I, I can, I don't need to go out. I, I'll, I take months or even years, years off before from going on the road. But the connection that I like is really, really simply like if you can just find uh, a couple people in the crowd that like understand the song in the way that you're, you kind of wrote it and, and they're kind of living it or something uh, that's what makes it all worth it, right? Um, well, there's a song on the last album called Almond Grove. Pretty sad song. It kind of freaks me out a, a, a lot of nights, but it's also totally rewarding because often when we play that song, I'll see grown men like standing in front of me, just tears going down their face when we get to the third verse. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know, just sort of that, you know, it's not like I'm sort of excited about making them cry, but there's like, I feel like I struggled most of my life to communicate with people. And, and it wasn't until I learned to like play music and have, you know, I thought I was like sort of an odd bird. And I thought in a different way than other people thought. And the stories I wanted to tell were different and just sort of be able to make that connection with people was like really important to me. Um, I'm not really into being famous. In fact, that's why I always like sort of live outside of, I've always kind of lived outside of the big cities and the music towns and stuff like that. And I've tried to like sort of be able to just sort of walk around wherever I live and just sort of live a normal life. Um, but I do like that personal connection that you get with somebody in the audience who's listening to the song, you know, and really understands it in the way you do. You know, that's an interesting topic because you do, your your songs are very emotive and communicative. They're all over the map. I, I, we go to the uh, camp out at Pappy and Harriet's every year, and we always bring new people with us, right? And they say, oh, mm-hmm. Cracker, I've heard of them. What's their music like? I, mm-hmm. I, I don't really know. How, I, you know, I'll say melodic punk country, rock and roll. How do you describe it? Because it's so unique, I think. Well, I think we, I think maybe to me, um, I feel like we're just in the tradition of sort of the classic rock bands, Um, you know, bands like the Beatles and the Stones and the 60s and the Kinks and stuff like that. They, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, rock, they they incorporated like something other than just rock into what they were doing. There's, you know, there's English guys and they're playing a little country and they're trying to play a little blues and, you know, the Beatles started playing around with like, you know, Indian music or, or something. And, and they just sort of incorporated that all into rock. 
and you know even later you know see bands like uh you know led zeppelin and stuff in the 70s they're, they're kind of a mix a hybrid of styles and stuff like that and then at some point i don't know where it was like in the late 70s early 80s every band sort of seem to like narrow their themselves not all of them but a lot of bands just sort of after that seem to have like one sort of specific sort of subgenre of rock that they worked and it didn't have sort of the wide ranging vocabulary that the old classic rock bands had and, and it was, so it's weird we you know with 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 camper and cracker we were actually pretty sort of i, I don't know we we were very uh, we we looked back you know, almost to the classic rock forms. But people thought we were so weird at first, right? But we thought, hmm, <laughs> we're just playing like what we think classic rock would have, those classic rock bands would have been today, you know? Well, we're saying this in like, say, 1987 or 1992, right? And uh, so, you have yeah, the snarky swag that is uniquely American, that? I think. Does that make sense? Yeah, well... It, yeah, well, we definitely are. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're doing. We're playing American rock, basically. Yeah. Dave Lowry, uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is a fork on the road with Mark DiCarlo and our guest from the band Cracker, Dave Lowry. It was only by the grace of you that I got this attitude. I show you my gratitude when I make it through. to eat like every day do you like to travel for special occasions food festivals music festivals or just save some serious coin on your next vacation well then you have found the right show a fork on the road comes to you every week loaded with celebrities who travel for a living actors musicians chefs with me mark DiCarlo, from the travel channel and the james beard award-winning foodie Jennifer English. Connect with me on Instagram at MarkDeCarlo TV and on Twitter at MarkDeCarlo. Listen to the show everywhere you get your podcasts and subscribe at FBPodcasts.com. This is a fork on the road, and we're talking to David Lowry from Cracker. Let's talk travel a little bit, David. What's your favorite thing to do after a show when you're going to be in a city? You don't have to get on the bus right away. Do you go out and find a cool place to eat? Do you, you know, where do you hang out and meet with the locals? <laughs> Uh, I'm boring. I don't really go out after the show. I try to go. I like. Uh, I like going out. I like to find a local place to eat breakfast the next day. Oh, interesting. That's kind of my thing. Um, that's kind of. I, I don't know. You just sort of. Like I said, I think feel like you get a feel for a city at the at the breakfast restaurant because nobody's kind of put on their. Well, they've ne- then put on their generally haven't put on their makeup and their good clothes yet. Like put on their airs, right? So breakfast is right. always like the most interesting sort of time, you know, sort of look at a city, see what's going on, right? People getting up and getting ready for their day. 
So I like doing that. I usually, I just, usually that's what I do is like, hey, where's the place? You know, like where's a good breakfast joint? And I don't mean like necessarily like fancy. I mean, I mean, if it comes down to it, I'll eat in the Waffle House if I have to. Um, and which I mean, actually, actually, I, I have a soft spot. So Always something there. funny going on at a Waffle House, especially when uh, the bars yeah. close two o'clock in the morning. That's the best time to go. <laughs> Mark, you know what's right. so funny? I I joined uh, Dave on this one. Uh, I did I did breakfast, and I particularly love breakfast late at night, especially like after a gig or after a show, whatever we're doing. I mean, I I think that's a it's, great it's way because the it, floor show. Well, it's you, the floor show at the late night waffle no. house. That beats- Food. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. You got to think about this. Dave's a connoisseur because you can't hide when you're doing something as simple as great eggs and great breakfast food. True. Like, you, there's just right. nowhere to hide. It, you know, it's like True. it's like acoustic guitar. It's like you either know how to play or you don't. You're not like hiding right. it in a wah wah woo woo kind of like pedal thing or stadium speaker there's thing. There's no gastronomy at a Waffle House. It is what it is. So and they bring there's yeah. Then, and there's also the the ambience is usually like uh, not the you know like you get really distracted by like ambience in a re- you get like really fooled by the ambience in a restaurant no and kidding intimidated music and lighting and stuff like that and you're like one day you realize like you know the food's actually really that good here you know or something like that or it's like you know kind of passable right I mean you know so like yeah. you know, sort of breakfast restaurants or you know it has a it has a certain honesty to it. Though. Well, you know, Dave, it's so interesting that you said that breakfast is, is your is your meal because there's something about the your music that is something so essential about your music. Uh, it's not like, you know, fancy first you eat with your eyes, like gourmet, James Beard, one-star mm-hmm. food. Your music has this really essential quality to it. Really Cracker authentic is the breakfast of music. Because it does all of the most essential things brilliantly, and it tells these wonderful, satisfying stories in the most satisfying and delicious. Because at the end of the day, tell me who doesn't love great breakfast, right? That's, that's true. Well, the Spaniards don't, but that's because they get up so late. That's another thing. That's another place where I would say that. Uh, that that's another interesting. You're telling me if like that. there was such a thing as like flamenco cracker, then that would be like. <laughs> you just wrote his we, next you know, novel. The weird thing. Uh, well, the, the other oddity about cracker is that for some reason, I mean, it's, it's probably you know we're most popular in the United States per capita, but we have these pockets around the world, and I guess the the second sort of biggest place for cracker is Spain. And it's just, I don't know how that happened, but it's pretty awesome, right? Because, you know, uh, we go over there and, and uh, you know, now if you want to, you know, if you're talking more gourmet stuff, Spain's a great place to go. Um, it's incredibly diverse from the north to the south, right. from the east to the west. I mean, the food they have, say, in Galicia or the Basque region is, like, totally different than what's going on in Valencia and the Mediterranean or south in Andalusia. Uh, it's it's all over the place. It's it's. I don't know. That, that's that's a really wonderful place. I love that. You know, I wanted yeah. to ask you before, uh, you've been so great with your time and being generous with us, and, and I love that we get to sort of clink glasses and break bread together sort of spiritually on, on the air here like this. There's something I'm really struck by. I'm, I'm struck by this notion of the sacred geometry of the work that you do in all the realms of your life. Wait, There's, hold on a second. Where are you going to hear that sentence and a diatribe on the Waffle House in the same show? <laughs> right. That's what... <laughs> 
sorry. Go ahead, Jennifer. That just struck me. I think you 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 put such a patina of class on this show. I truly, truly appreciate it. Yeah, but I'm saying it with a mouthful of like you know buttered, salted, <laughs> grits. peppered grits from the Waffle House. Like right, you know, my mouth is right. watering because I'm like. How quickly after the show today can I like get to a Waffle House and get some grits in my in my mouth? Like that's funny. And you can't go to the Waffle House without talking to strangers. That's what I love about it. I always sit at the bar, and you you know the the waitress is there, the cook is there. It's a great place to talk crap to people and just kind of really get a flavor for whatever city you happen to be in. That's one of I think that's the best thing about the Waffle House. What really is cool about having Dave here with us is that we're chatting with somebody who brings that sort of like fundamental, essential connoisseurship of life to our show. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. One of the things I like best about your music is the collaboration musically between you and your lead guitar player, Johnny Hickman, who has some of the tastiest American guitar lick ever. Do you guys write together? I know you've been friends for a long time. Do you, do you, what's your process? You all bring your separate songs in and you work them together. Do you, do you collaborate? How does that work? Um, It's all pretty different. There's not really one pattern. There are a lot of songs like you hear like that with like, I see the light where just, it's like, you know, I have a chord progression. Johnny has a riff and we kind of figure out how they work together and we go from there. Generally, I'm the guy doing the work, and, you know, like what you hear me singing, that's kind of what I do and stuff like that. And Johnny generally is the person bringing the lifts. But that's not always true. There are some times, like, where, you know, I just write a song completely myself, and there's times that he writes a song completely himself. I'd say, like, really, you know, just depending on the album, there's a different process for how things come about. That last album, Berkeley to Bakersfield, it's a two-disc set. The the first disc, the rock disc, is just kind of like just everybody bringing their ideas and chord progressions and riffs. We went uh, we went and got Michael Urbano and Davey Farragher from the Kerosene Hat record. We just went in the studio, really largely wrote that in two separate weekend sessions. And, the whole you know, record? It was completely collaborative. Well, the first disc, most of it wow. is from that, that. It's like from two weekends. And a lot of it, actually, a lot of that album is actually the demo recordings. They're supposed to be demos. Just kept them. Some of them we recorded. The second disc, though, you know, almost that whole disc is, kind of I wrote that more in the acoustic with the acoustic guitar with the notebook largely like in the way that you write a country song or a folk song it was just very uh, non-collaborative that one <laughs> that was just like I mean there's a couple songs that are co-written but those ones are just like I mean, that's sort of what makes the two discs interesting to me is that the, the you know they're two totally different styles of songwriting but uh, I mean it's a steady really progression a pattern I, I feel like I had a pattern like that got me through the first few Camper Van Beethoven records I wrote, but then there was like only so many songs you could do that way. So I had to try everybody else's patterns and everybody else's ways of making music and stuff like that. And just to get more songs, right? Dave Lowry, thank you so much for being here with us on a fork on the road. Are we out of time already? Can you believe it? We'll see you at Camp Out 15. Thanks, David. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Do you like to eat? Like every day? Do you like to travel for special occasions, food festivals, music festivals, or just save some serious coin on your next vacation? Well, then you have found the right show. A Fork on the Road comes to you every week loaded with celebrities who travel for a living. Actors, musicians, chefs. With me, Mark DiCarlo from the Travel Channel and the James Beard Award-winning foodie, 
Jennifer English. Connect with me on Instagram at TV and on Twitter at MarkDeCarlo. Listen to the show everywhere you get your podcasts and subscribe at fbpodcasts.com. Welcome back to A Fork on the Road. I'm your travel guru, Mark DiCarlo. She is James Beard, award-winning foodie journalist, Jennifer English, and you're listening to our show. That was a fun interview. That was so cool. I love their music. Can I tell you, that's just the kind of music that is so, you know what it is? It's satisfying. So melodic and so rock. It's so great. One story I wanted to get to that we didn't get to is they early in their in the middle point of their career, they are, they were with Virgin Records for a couple records. And evidently they weren't getting along with Virgin and Virgin was putting together a greatest hits record and didn't get any input from the band. So the story I heard was that it pissed everybody off in the band. So on the day that Virgin released their greatest hits from Cracker, Cracker released their own greatest hits called Greatest Hits Redux <laughs> on the same day. And one of the songs on the track is a track that trashes Virgin Records. Hey, Roy! It ain't gonna suck itself On Virgin Records It ain't gonna suck itself I just think that see, that's the punk. There's a lot of that kind of attitude and and swagger in their characters and in their songs that really uh, it delights me. I'm not going to lie, it delights me. You're such yeah. a fun guy to host a show with. You're a I, really I, interesting cat. And we're going to get to hang out next week uh, in Orlando at the uh, the uh, Spirits and Wine Show broadcast. The, the Wine and Spirits Wholesalers of America show. I'm actually going to hold down the fort. <laughs> it should be uh, it should be a while. It's all the big uh, liquor and wine people in the country will be talking to uh, baristas and cocktail guys. There's a um, cocktail contest. We'll have the winners on that. It's uh, should be a fun show. That'll be uh, next week in Orlando. Not the greatest of all food cities. But oh no 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 no! Oh, there is great food there. It's just so disnified the whole city. Not not that it's a bad thing, but. Uh, it, 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 they literally carved it out of a swamp. Yeah, but it, it, there's great places to go there. Now, here's the thing. When you were on I Travel Channel can... doing Fork on the Road, and we don't want to leave Lawrence waiting too long, because Lawrence is like, I have things to He's say about this. Man. Busy man. Yeah. I know. I, 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 I am eager to speak to him about this. But, um, but when you guys are on the road, I mean, one of the things you do is you know where you're going before you get there. And really savvy travelers are always slightly contrary just like our next guest they don't go to like dinner at seven thirty, or like, they, these are people who are so savvy and sophisticated they know the best place to go the best time to go they have friends in the business i mean these are people who you can ask coach me tell me yeah. how to get more with less what a segue you should do this for a living i our thought about it once <laughs> is, he is the ceo of a great food app called Off the Menu, Lawrence Longo. Welcome to A Fork on the Road. Thanks for having me. What a lovely intro. I was, I was about to jump in. I wasn't sure if I should you jump can... in on some Orlando restaurants. So I was <laughs> just trying to keep, keep shut. I don't no. know many things about Orlando restaurants, but I do know that Primo and Chef Melissa Kelly's um, Italian restaurant is pretty good. 
All right, so Lawrence, Chef Melissa Kelly is a very dear friend of mine. She's got okay. her primo up in, uh, I think it's Rockland, Maine. She's got one in Tucson, Arizona, okay, at the JW yeah. Marriott Star Pass. And then she's got one in Orlando. Oh, and by the way, she's a James Beard Award winner. Oh, there you, you go. guys all go to the same sauna. It, I, I would I, say she is one of the primo restaurateurs in Orlando. How do you like that one? Well done. Well done. Uh, Lawrence, uh, tell us about Off the Menu. This is a great app. See, when people travel, uh, especially if you're by yourself or you're with clients or something, you're in a new town, you don't know anything about it. Like, clearly, I know nothing about Orlando food. It's great to have a resource that, A, you can trust to steer you to the right places, and B, to, to get you into places that not all the tourists are going to. And that's what... Uh, that's what this map, this uh, app does off the menu. Lawrence is a food, as you can see and hear, a uh, food and restaurant connoisseur. Tell us about the app and tell us how you got interested in uh, all this highfalutin food, Larry. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I was working in Hollywood as an assistant to the guy who was making, like, the Matrix, Swordfish, Lethal Weapons movies. And one day at Spago, which is a Wolfgang Puck, uh, restaurant, somebody ordered a smoked salmon pizza. And I was like, how, I know every pizza on this menu. How did you know to order that? The guy goes, well, I'm in the no kid and you're not. And from that moment forward, every single time I dined out from LA to New York city, I would ask every waiter, what's the secret menu item on the, on the, on the menu, off the menu. And lo and behold, Wolfgang Puck created a secret menu item so his friends could feel in the know. So anytime they went there, they could feel special. And when I found out about In-N-Out secret menu item, which is an animal-style burger, which I'm sure you both had, every time you order that burger, which is off the menu, you feel like you're in the know. So what I did was I put an app together that cataloged all the best secret menu items from L.A. to New York, um, and now in LA, it's actually a food club where 20, where people pay $20 a month and they get one free secret menu item every single day, every day. How is that possible? Every day. So it works out to 66 cents per meal. If you want to really break it down, um, what it does for restaurants is it drives foot traffic into restaurants. It helps with a, a halo effect, meaning that the customers will buy more food when they get there. They'll buy drinks. They'll probably bring a friend. Most of my users are social media savvy, so they'll be taking pictures of their food, posting it on any one of their social media platforms. And our little small app can drive almost up to a million social media impressions to a restaurant on a given week, depending on what that item is. Wow. We're talking with Lawrence Logan. Now, you're, you're CEO of Off the Menu. It's an app. Talk a little bit about the app world. Um, a few years ago, there seemed to be a, a eruptive flurry of app creation as if it were the new gold rush. Is the app world still the place that is percolating with new apps all the time? Is it as, as prevalent as ever that new apps are coming out every day? I think I think the answer is yes. Um, my focus is mainly in the food scene, and I haven't been seeing as many as there were a few years ago, three years ago when we started. I would see people with much deeper pockets and much more wealth financed than I was that have come and gone since then. Um, 
I think, you know, at, at one time back then, it was a real hype. Everybody had a, just like in Hollywood, everyone has a script. Everybody had an app they were working on. But um, I think to sustain it and to create a real business from an app is a really difficult thing. Um, and there's only so much that investors will keep on dumping into projects that aren't making money. So you see them come and go. But um, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, there's not as many apps I see coming out. Um, maybe I'm just not pe- paying attention to the bad ones anymore. <laughs> you know, uh, Lawrence, and, and, and do I know you well enough now because you came on, and I don't know if you ever uh, watched the movie Bull Durham, but there was a character played by Tim Robbins uh, who who tried to tell everybody that he likes to announce his presence with authority, right? And And there's this gesture that if you come into a room or a scene or a show like this, that there are things you do that you can announce your presence with authority, but then there's another way to do it. Then you come in and you lead with your connoisseurship. Like a ninja connoisseur, you're like, oh yeah, Orlando, Melissa Kelly. Yeah, James. Yeah, that was sweet. So, right, that was sweet. So you're in, Ninja. You're part of the crew now. So my question is, I would love to see the food app that amalgamates the expertise, connoisseurship, and sound of the human voice like what we do with the technical expertise of what you do. That's our show, really. We're, well, we're taking this expertise from people like Larry, and we, we, we talk about it and bring it to people's ears instead of their text. What you're doing puts you on the vanguard front lines of food stories, food news, food information. And you're like, you know, man, you're the future of food. Come back and talk to us some more. I'd love that. I love to talk about food. I mean, that's all I talk about all day, you know? David Lowry's from Richmond, Virginia. That's one of the places he lives. Is there a great place that he should go check out in Richmond that you know of off the top of your head? No, you know what he could do? is drive um, a little bit maybe more south and try Stubbs and Sons Barbecue in North Carolina. Yeah. It was originally Allen and Sons. It was taken over by uh, this guy by the name of Stubbs. It's got the best barbecue hands down. They specialize in hand-chopped eastern North Carolina barbecue. You, when Which you is go different there, than Texas barbecue, different than Chicago barbecue. It's more of a mustardy vinegary kind of base. Yeah. And that's the it thing was, about the Carolinas. There, there is a sweet component to it. And it depends if you're in Northern, Cal- or Northern Carolina or Southern Carolina, right? Because, you know, in Southern Carolina, they make it more with a mustard. And in Northern Carolina, they make it more with a vinegar and ketchup. But it's definitely both have that sweet, tangy um, taste to it. Lawrence Longo is our, our guest from uh, Off the Menu. And, and one of the things I want to ask you is, what are some of the things that are exciting you in your go-to flavors at the moment? Like, you're on the vanguard and, 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 the, and the leading edge of food. And yet, no matter who you are, no matter where you go, no matter how leading edge and cutting edge, we all seem to come back to those things that satisfy us the most. What's satisfying you in food right now? What are you, like, all, like, you know, jazzed and excited about? Well, so I spent the last year eating uh, a burger a day. So to say that I'm not ever excited about a great cheeseburger, I'd be lying. Um, I think the comeback of the smash burgers oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. are really like, it all started at Backyard in, in L.A. at this uh, burger restaurant, which Mark knows about, called Burgers Never Say Die. And mm-hmm. everybody seems to be following suit. 
Um, Smash burgers are the talk of the town right now. They're the, the things that people are lining up for. But when it really comes down to it, I mean, sim- simplistic items with great ingredients, not too complicated, always win the place in my belly. How are you feeling about Felipe's original? Oh, the big debate there is who created it? Chicago. No. Chicago Chicago had it before Philippe's. Absolutely. No. They claim that they invented it, but to, you know what? Some some fat Italian guy dropped his sandwich and some juice in Chicago in 1904. Boom, game over. <laughs> I actually saw Andrew, who's the owner of Philippe's, um, the other day. I haven't been in a while. I love their spot, but what's really special about their competitor, not to, which is Kohl's, right. um, which is one of the oldest restaurants in Los Angeles, is that if you walk right through, talk about off the menu, but if you walk right through the Coles Deli to the back room, you knock on the door, and there's a little speakeasy called the Varnish. What? Mm-hmm. You can order that the the French, French dip. Sandwich. Right, and, and you can get it with a sensational, spicy Manhattan cocktail. Absolutely. Which you got to love. You knew about this, Jennifer? Of course I do. It's a great place. One of the all-time great places. I didn't, the more I didn't know he about says, speakeasy. Listen, the more he says, the more I'm digging. He's the, a prodigy. When we talk to our audience about your app, give us the inside scoop about what we should download and what we should do to really maximize its impactful, delicious value in our lives. Okay, so first off, the app right now is it, it, it only works in Los Angeles in terms of the club. You have to be a member. It's an invite-only membership. Just request an invite. Tell them that you you heard me on the show, and I'll make sure you get accepted into the club. It's $20 a month, and as I said, every Sunday, seven new restaurants come up on the app. You decide what restaurant you want to go to, and every day you can go and redeem one free meal. Wow. I was at one of those meals this week at uh, Pizzeria Massa in L.A. with this was it, a, it was like a brisket sandwich? What exactly was it? It was delicious. Yeah, so uh, Nancy Silverton, you may have heard of her. Uh, also a James Beard Award winning mm-hmm. chef. And probably one of the most popular sh- chefs in Los Angeles. We did a collaboration together with an up-and-coming, I want to say one of the best barbecue chefs in Los Angeles, Burt Backman in his new restaurant, Slab. We created a brisket grilled cheese which Mark can tell you was it this was world. ridiculously delicious. And by the way, we should tell everybody we love Nancy Silverton. And if you want to see her in her gloriousness, uh, she's got an episode of Emeril Lagasse's uh, new food and travel show that, that I like the show, but I love the episode with Nancy. That item was on our app. Uh, we opened it up to the public uh, on the Thursday night, but there were lineups down the street to, to get into the, the pop-up. 10 o'clock on a Thursday. Lawrence, I have to ask you, what's the one food that Los Angeles should be the most famous for that people still haven't discovered that Los Angeles should be most famous for? That people still haven't discovered. Well, it's not that they haven't discovered it, but like when you think of Philadelphia, you think of cheesesteaks. You know, when you think of Chicago, you get deep dish pizzas and steaks. What's the thing that well, L.A. does so brilliantly well? That, you that's know what I, I want to know. There's a few. Other than avocado toast and vegan tacos, I think <laughs> I think we do, like for America, we do uh, sushi. Like I think we have some of the best sushi yeah. definitely in America. And I know like Ventura Boulevard's got like, 
10 of the best sushi restaurants in the, in, in the country. When we come out and visit you next, will you take us for sushi and will you take us for Korean barbecue? Yeah, absolutely. And let's not forget where, like, the hamburger was created. That's it true. It wasn't L.A., but it was definitely perfected out here. It was perfected. St. Louis is where it is created, uh, 1904 World's Fair. Let's you and I cook together. Let's cook something up together. I would love that. You just cooked up some great radio right there, you two. Thanks for joining us, Lauren. Thanks so much for LL. You guys. Let's give everybody the, um, the name of the best place to download this app. Is it an iTunes thing? Is it Do we, do we go to your yep. website? What's your website? Go to I- iTunes, and it's, you can just type in O-T-M Club. Stand off, for off the, the menu, menu club. club. You've There's got a great a Instagram, too. All right, so here's the thing. Lawrence, where am I going to get the great off-the-menu club sandwich? Because I am a club sandwich connoisseur. Okay, so the best off-the-menu club sandwich. Yeah, like a secret club sandwich. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, absolutely. I'm trying to think of the best one I've ever had is at the uh, was, in, was in Paris at the Ritz, but that one cost about... 52 euros. Yeah. I don't think it's... And, and I had a good one at the Riviera Country Club, but that was a long time ago. Oh, wow. You know, I should get it. We should get Adam Perry Lang, who makes an unbelievable... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do a BLT. That would be incredible. Our All right. Sandwich. We've run out get of time. Get a room, you two. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lawrence. Thank you, David Lowey from Cracker. Their website is Cracker Soul. Lawrence's Instagram is... Instagram, my company off the menu is just off the menu, and my personal is at Big Shot. Mark DiCarlo, thanks so much. Thank you, Jennifer English. Appreciate it. This has been a fork on the road. Do you like to eat, like, every day? Do you like to travel for special occasions, food festivals, music festivals, or just save some serious coin on your next vacation? Well, then you have found the right show. A Fork on the Road comes to you every week loaded with celebrities who travel for a living. Actors, musicians, chefs. With me, Mark DiCarlo from the Travel Channel and the James Beard Award-winning foodie, Jennifer English. Connect with me on Instagram at TV and on Twitter at MarkDiCarlo. Listen to the show everywhere you get your podcasts and subscribe at fbpodcasts.com.